0: Support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Chris Carle Photography Podcast. So I first found you via a YouTube uh, video where you were shooting large format, mostly portraits. And I want to kind of dive into YouTube with you in a minute. But before we get started, uh, how is it that you first started with photography?
1: Um, So film photography I found because I think I was on Reddit one day and I saw I I think I was just browsing like the popular uh, post or something and I saw a post that, I forget the photographer's name, but it was just a car, and it was on Cinestill 800T. And at the time, I didn't know what film really was. I never messed around with it. And I was just reading some of the comments, and he said it was like a Fuji 690. And people were talking about like negative size and resolution and all this stuff. So that kind of gave me the idea that I wanted to kind of experiment with film and at that time I went straight to YouTube and started looking at people and I found Willem Verbeek on there and that kind of drove me down a rabbit hole and that, that was back in September so been doing it since then and it's been a crazy ride so far.
0: I mean you've already amassed quite a set of images considering that's that's a very short space of time although it does feel like last September was about 5 years ago at this point. Let's go down let's go down the route of YouTube since you've um since that's where you started with William Verbeek. And let's talk about your YouTube channel. Now, like I say the first video I watched of yours was a large format portrait shoot and you were having some issues with kind of the getting the dark slide back in and things like that the question really i want to ask you is about like transparency on youtube because it feels like instagram as an app is a place where people kind of pretend that there is no problems and they're good at everything and everything's just going brilliantly for them and youtube seems to be kind of it can quite often go down that route but i see photographers like yourself being quite transparent on youtube why is that so important to you
1: yeah well when i first started um I just really like the videos that people did show their mistakes and stuff because it kind of it makes you connect with them a little bit more and and know that um even like really good photographers mess up sometimes and I think there's kind of uh like a a switch going on right now where more people want to be like that and I think that's a good thing but yeah when I was making that video I just I wanted to show like I didn't want to like lie about anything and like cut anything out. So I definitely wanted to show people that it's okay to make mistakes. And even right. like, it was it was my first time using large format. And if I can make mistakes and kind of show uh, how I overcame them and to teach people to not make the same mistakes I do, they will be better off in the long run. And they'll probably save a lot of money because I spent about $50 on film that I just threw away because the dark slide was, not doing me any favors so with with regards
0: to you starting the youtube channel what was the motivation behind you putting stuff up on youtube in the first place
1: um i kind of wanted that to be like uh like a little journal for me and um when i watched videos i i really liked how a lot of the videos were set up but just a lot of people just shooting uh like behind the scenes stuff with their their film and stuff but i got kind of tired of the same generic format that people were kind of going for and i kind of wanted to do something different so i just started doing my own thing and people kind of liked that and then i I started the analog artisans episodes and that's kind of what made me be even more creative with youtube and just trying to do something different and trying to bring a more of a story to it instead of just like here's me walking around, just shooting some photos set to some music. And I think a lot of people like that. And I'm happy that I found like a little niche inside of a niche to gather a little bit of an audience.
0: I mean, you've mentioned analog artisans there for people that haven't seen it. What's the gist of of that?
1: Basically, I just had the idea of reaching out to people. It it was originally going to be just in St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm from. And um, when I first started, it like I reached out to like modeling agencies and stuff like that to try to get some portrait shoots. And, uh, they were just like, well, you don't have that much work, blah, blah, blah. So I just figured I'd reach out personally to people. And I'm, I've always been good at video because that's my main job. I'm a wedding videographer. So I figured if I can learn to take portraits and film that, uh, and film their story as well and make a little video out of that, and then get work on top of that. I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone. So uh, yeah. And plus I read something about when you're starting up a YouTube channel that you should have something that is kind of like your calling card. And I thought that would be a good thing to do just to kind of set me apart from everyone else.
0: So you've mentioned there that you do wedding videography um, as, your main, as your main sort of work. How much does that feed into your knowledge with photography and vice versa? or Are they very separate mediums to you?
1: Well, that's kind of the thing when I first started film because I only did digital photography for about a year before I started film, but it is very related. Like you're still going to mess around with f-stops and shutter speeds and aperture and ISO and all that stuff. So I've started wedding videos in 2015. So I pretty much knew uh, the basics of how to use a camera and stuff like that and all the stuff that I learned video wise, it does translate over to photo. So, uh, that definitely helped me out to kind of like, uh, get going when I first started and I wouldn't be completely lost when I started shooting film. So I kind of knew everything. Uh, no, I didn't know everything, but I knew like the basics from the get go, which helped me out a, right. a, a ton.
0: So if I could ask a broad question, cause obviously you've gone through the gears quite quickly based on the amount of time that you've been doing it. And it's, it's a very broad question and it was going to sound a tiny bit loaded. So I do apologize if it sounds like I'm setting you up here, but obviously with you going through things so quickly, do you find photography to be difficult? Do you think as a medium photography is difficult or do you think it's quite simple?
1: The basics of photography are obviously simple. It's like you just point your camera, get the exposure and take a photo. But the hard part for me would be connecting with people and getting yourself out there and photographing strangers and just, uh, get like getting out in public with a huge film camera, stuff like that. And I think that's where, uh, YouTube in general helped me out a lot because I watched a lot of people that they just didn't care about what other people thought. So that's what the things that I have trouble with photography is just, it's not very technical. It's more just the aspect of getting out there and getting people comfortable in front of the camera and stuff like that. And I definitely think that the, the series I do on YouTube, like I'm learning as I go with everything. And I think that gives me a reason to go out and interview and photograph people. And I think that's a big, like, that's one of the bigger things that you can learn in photography is just learning how to interact with people. And I try to, I try to watch a lot of people and follow a lot of people that are really good at that because I think that's uh, one of the bigger learning tools compared to actually knowing the basics of a, of a camera.
0: So producing your own YouTube videos, is that something that is uh, pushing you through that barrier of struggling with, you know, interacting with people or or the the actual personal element of photography?
1: Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, if, if I were just taking photos for myself, I would just like go around taking photos of like old cars and stuff, because it's like, you don't have to interact with anyone. You just pull up on a scene and you like get the perfect angle and take that photo. But with videos and stuff, it kind of pushes me out of my comfort zone and makes me get out there and really talk to people and try to take a portrait that best defines them as a person. And it's definitely gotten so much easier. Uh, throughout doing, doing these videos and just doing different things because I want to make a video on it. So yeah, it's, it's YouTube is not only like a great place for community and learning, but it's off, also for self-improvement as well.
0: I mean, you're mentioning that you've, you know, you're learning to get through certain barriers, but what's been some of the lessons that you've learned about shooting people? How do you get over that anxiety? Cause I feel like a lot of people don't photograph people or don't work with people in general because of that, that anxiety of that person to person interaction. So what is it that's helped you through?
1: The main thing is just trying to connect with them. And it helps when I'm photographing them for something that they, they do creatively, because I want to learn more about what they do, not only for myself, but for the video as well, because obviously I'm going to need to know like how they do things and how they started and stuff like that, just to make the video interesting. So my main tip would just be to find something that they're interested in. It, and this can be like, uh, this can be for if you're taking a portraits for a wedding or anything, just ask them questions, make them feel comfortable make them laugh. Uh, and I'm not the funniest person, but I, the, the comedy that I do, the comedy that I do will just be like real awkward uh, jokes and, puns and stuff. So even if it's like a nervous laughter, it's still better than nothing. But uh, people love talking about what they're interested in and what uh, is their passion. So I would just recommend asking them about that and, and just being uh, curious about what they do and stuff like that.
0: And when it comes to your own work, what's the, uh, what's the overall message of what you're trying to do with photography? You know, if you're going and taking pictures, obviously you're trying to communicate some of who that person is to the audience, but, but do you feel like you have like a, an overall message with your work or an overall feel that you're trying to get across?
1: I've been, uh, trying to figure that out because at the beginning I was just taking photos of what, uh, like it was mostly just practice to me. So I was just going around taking photos. And from what I saw on Instagram, I was just taking a lot of the photos that were popular and, I know that's like a a terrible thing to do, and you should take photos of what you enjoy. And I definitely do, but uh, I'm right now. I'm like kind of in a a weird uh, funk with trying to figure out exactly what I do want to say with my photography. And I think that's a lot easier to get across when you take portraits because uh, when you set someone set someone up for a portrait, you're just you're trying to get across them as a person in a photo. And that can be extremely hard. And I just think taking pictures of people, it kind of just tells itself when you put them in a place. Like I took a picture of a guy in his garage and um, it was just an old car in the back. And on the left-hand side, there was a photo of him and his dad. And on the right-hand side, there was a a little toy model car of a car that he owned. So it kind of tells the story itself. But with things like landscapes and, uh, just like walking around photos, like I just want to take photos of stuff that I, I think looks good. And I never want to take like a, a bad photo that doesn't, uh, I just want to take photos that are true to what I, I see myself and I don't want to ever like fake something. Like I just want it to be real, just real and I just if as long as people feel feel something looking at a photo of mine like I'm perfectly perfectly fine with that it doesn't have to be any certain emotion or anything.
0: I mean you just mentioned being sort of in this funk in terms of self-reflection, but do you dip in and out of being inspired or do you dip in and out of actually wanting to pick up a camera?
1: I I think I'm always inspired. It's just what trying to figure out what I'm inspired for, I think is the the problem right now because I follow so many people and it, it, it constantly changes what you get inspiration from. Like I just watched, uh, I have one episode left, but I was watching the last dance about Michael Jordan and Right. just the way he co- composed himself and the, the passion that he had and the drive that he had. It's like that uh, you can get inspiration from any, anywhere. And I'm never not inspired to take photos. It's just trying to figure out what I actually want to take photos of. And then you have the, A little bit of added pressure on, like not posting or like disappearing for a couple days, and you you think you're gonna like lose everything that you work for, and it's just I'm in my head a lot with photography, and I think a a lot of people uh, are as well, and that's definitely uh, something that I'm trying to work on. So,
0: and in terms of obviously you're talking about like um, general inspiration there, but with visual inspiration in, in like building up ideas that you want to go and photograph. Is that something that you find externally from outside of photography? Or do you find that from looking at other photographers work?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I watch a lot of movies and I draw a lot of inspiration from that and the work of other people. It, it just kind of changes with, uh, the people that I follow. Cause when I first started, um, Obviously I followed a lot of people that shot a lot of cars and landscapes and stuff like that. But as I grew and as my, uh, the things that I took pictures of changed, I kind of went over to a different area that I drew inspiration from people like Alex Soth and stuff like that, just like portrait photographers and, um, like really connecting with the individual. And yeah, it just, it changes every day. Just when something pops up on my feed or I pick up a photo book, like it, the inspiration's always there. It just cha- changes depending on like it can change with my mood or just if it's sunny outside or cloudy outside, it just really depends. Let's
0: talk about cameras for a minute. Cause obviously shooting large format, medium format, you've mentioned shooting digital and shooting video. Do you find yourself being affected in terms of your shooting personality based on the different formats of the cameras that you're using? Or do you find that you have a pretty consistent style regardless of the camera?
1: I I try to have a consistent style, but obviously with large format, it's extremely slow and deliberate. And you're, you're just not going to get the same uh, types of shots that you would get with um, medium format or 35 millimeter. But I try to I think when I f- first got into large format and I haven't used it a lot and I'm still learning on it, but it kind of changed me f- for medium format as well. So I'm being much more deliberate with uh, six by seven as well. And I just find myself shooting a lot less because even with the pandemic going on and stuff like that, um, I don't want to be like wasting money on stuff that I'm not really inspired to shoot. And that was my whole problem with, uh, 35 millimeter because it, I just could not, it took me so long to finish, um, a roll of 35 millimeter film. I had switched over to medium format and I had six, four, five for a while. And I found that to be too much. And then huh. I got to six by seven and that was 10 shots. And I think that's like more than enough for me. It's like, when I go out there with large format, I usually have like four or six sheets of film and yeah. It just made me much more deliberate with what I shoot. And you're, obvious, you're, you're obviously not going to get like spontaneous moments with, uh, with large format or as, as much so with medium format. But yeah, it definitely made me much more deliberate with what I shoot. And in
0: terms of like the buildups to your shoots, how, how much planning goes into the ideas that you're putting out there? And how do you go about planning them? Are you like a mood board person or are you just kind of off the cuff? What happens on the shoot happens?
1: Definitely just go with the flow type of person, even with, uh, even with the analog artisans episodes, it's usually like I message them if there's some somewhere local, like I'm I'm messaging a few people now that are like, it's going to take a little bit of planning because there's a trip involved and stuff like that. But if they're in St. Louis, it's usually like message them, tell them what the whole thing's about. And then a day or two later, show up, film, photograph. It's like, I'm meeting them for the first time it's I try to get like a background on them and like obviously come up with some questions for them and try to read as much into it as possible. But like creative shoots, I just come up with an idea, um, figure out what I need for it and then just go and shoot it. I really, really don't, uh, go too far into that. Um, I think that goes back to how I film, um, and photograph weddings cause there's the only planning that goes into a wedding is obviously just the schedule and it it kind of makes you think on your toes and it really, uh, makes you improvise and stuff like that. So I think that that's just kind of how my style is. I just go with the flow
0: and in, in sort of a bit of a switch here. Obviously we're in pretty interesting times with the pandemic and just about everything else that seems to be trying to end the world at the moment. As a photographer, what do you feel like your responsibility is in terms of, you know, when you're photographing stuff, are you thinking about like a social aspect of what you're doing? Are you thinking about uh, like representation or putting out positive messages? Or is it just something that it's just your artistic expression and you don't think about it that way?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. When when I first started, um, I think you feel like, um, I think this grows with like, as you grow like an audience and a following. Uh, when you first start, you don't feel like you need to really address those because you think that like no one's listening or anything like that. But as I grew like a a little bit of a following and an audience, I definitely felt the need to um, express how I feel about certain things and to let people know that um, where I stand on certain subjects. And I, I don't think like, I don't necessarily feel like that has to come across in your work, but if you can, um, work that into your work and your projects, then I think that's definitely a bonus. And I do my best to, uh, just speak how I feel about things. And I never want to be like the type of person that is fake to anyone or says things just to, just to keep my followers or anything like that. It's, I just want to be real with people. And I think that comes across and, uh, and like, Everyday things and Instagram and YouTube and stuff like stuff like that, and it probably is a detriment to me a a, a little bit because I tend to just say things and say how I feel, and some people might take that the wrong way. But that's just how I'm going to be with things.
0: I mean, given the, uh, if I can just put some of my personality on this question, but given the atrocious state of digital retouching at the moment and the way that portraiture is kind of almost turning into graphic design. Do you ever feel like film represents a more honest form of photography, especially with the resurgence and the fact that it's now being used by younger and younger people? Do you feel like it represents more of an honest interpretation of what photography is compared to like what is becoming digital photography at this point?
1: Uh, Yeah, for sure. Um, Obviously people know that you can't, like there's not as much leeway with uh, film photography just because it's not as easily changed in the editing process. But, um, I think people that shoot film are just going to be after a more natural aesthetic just because that's one of the main reasons why people shoot film in general is just cause you don't have to do a lot of editing maybe, or it's just each film has its own specific look. And right. th- that's just gonna, when I first started photography, like I was, it's just crazy how it changes how you, what you think is good. Because when I go back and look at what I thought was good, like two or three years ago, and look th- look at that now, I'm just like, what the hell was I thinking? Like that's, it's so edited and over the top and HDR and just shadows pulled up and highlights pulled down to oblivion. And I think finding film and just film photographers that want to, to make that natural, uh, human look is, it definitely helped me, uh, take better photos.
0: You mentioned William Verbeek earlier, and I, I've, I've only started sort of shooting film with any real intention since lockdown started. Um, one of the criticisms I actually saw of, of him, which I thought was, uh, I could, because I'm new to the, to the world of film photography, I thought it was quite interesting was uh, on a video that he did about scanning and how he basically goes about digitizing his, his negatives. And one of the criticisms was that he was removing the personality of the film by making adjustments in post. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of wondered where you stood on that because you've mentioned obviously film stocks having their own look. Do you feel like it's something that a film photographer should be sticking to, or do you feel like they should have that, that ability to kind of move things around a bit?
1: I think you can edit it as much as you want. I re- I, the last video I just posted, um, it was a video about Ektar 100, and I even said in the video, I'm like, I scan my own film, so it's like, I'm gonna be like, cause a lot of people complain that Ektar uh, gives red skin tones. And I'm like, I scan myself at home, so I'm gonna take that red out. It's like, if you send that off to a lab and they give you that back, like you're gonna get that that redness in there, you're gonna get the, the look of Ektar. But me personally, I just, I shoot with Ektar cause it's a low speed film and I scan it and then I'm going to change it to however I like. I'm not, if I come across something, um, if I come, come across like a deal on eBay where it's super cheap film, it's like, I'm going to get it because it helps me make the photo that I want to make. And I'm not going to like sit there and wait for like portrait of to become available. It's like, when I go to scan it, it's going to come out exactly how I want it to, not how the specific film type looks.
0: Yeah, I mean, with the, with the video that you're talking about, it actually made me think pretty hard about that because obviously, like you say, Ector's known for having very strong reds. And I've always thought, well, isn't in, in a in sort of a grand scheme, isn't all photography generally data collection? Even if it's on film, it's collecting data from, from a point in terms of exposure and the amount of saturation and so on. And if you have something right. like a film stock that has stronger reds, it gives you the possibility to bring them lower. But if you don't have yeah. much, it would actually be harder to kind of increase the saturation in that sense. So it would make sense to use something that maybe is a little bit oversaturated in one place or another and then have that option right. to kind of bring it down. That, that seemed like mm-hmm. common sense to me, but I feel like I'm coming at things from a non-traditionalist point of view. Do you find that traditionalists don't like that?
1: It's hard to say because, I mean, anyone that... Um, cause I just read an interview or watched something and they were talking about, um, it was actually, his name was Daniel Milner. He's on YouTube and he's, uh, he's in film photography and he's been a professional for a long time. And I just found him the other day and he was talking about film stocks in general, and he was talking about professionals in the film world and how they, they don't talk about gear. They don't talk about what film you use. They don't talk about anything like that. So. If you're a traditional uh, traditionalist in that sense, then and you care about film stocks and stuff like that, you just need like, I'm not going to be like that. I'm just going to use the film that is the most comfortable for me and the one that I'm most uh, in line with and the easiest one for me to shoot. And that goes with my workflow. I'm not going to shoot something just because it gives me a different, different look, because like I said, I'm editing it anyway, it's gonna, it's gonna be how I want it to look. So I think that's where most people get uh, sidetracked a little bit with that talking about gear and film and stuff like that. You just need to find something and stick with it because that's going to help you uh, a lot more in the long run, finding something that works with your workflow. And then just going from there and you're going to, not have to worry about that in the future, and you're, you're going to be able to make better work because of it.
0: I think never in history have we been exposed to so many opinions. Now with having a phone in your pocket and all of the different apps that we use and the way that people sort of wide scale are putting themselves out there with their, with whatever, with their political opinions or their photography or their music or whatever it may be, we've never been more open to feedback in the sense of what we're doing. Do you think it's a danger that critique can kind of consume you in the sense that you end up sort of chasing approval and you focus too much on external gratification as opposed to being happy with what you're doing yourself?
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's definitely a problem that I'm working on. It's probably a problem that a lot of people have. And I've definitely been um, uh, skewed in a way where a lot of people say that they're not influenced by what other people say. And it's like, I just shoot whatever I want. I'm not really worried about what other people say, but you can say that all, all you want. But if you, if you're a portrait guy and you shoot nothing but portraits and you, you have a nice little following and then you post a car and you get twice as many likes as the portrait that you posted and you get 50 more comments and you get 20 more shares, you're gonna be inclined to shoot more cars. like That's just human nature. And I think that's where I got in trouble because I was just shooting what I wanted. And then I'm like, oh, these cars look cool. And cars are easy, they're everywhere. They're cool to look at. So it's like, I shot more cars. And it's like, all of a sudden I'm getting thousands of followers. So of course I'm gonna be inclined to shoot more cars. But I think that is a good learning experience because you realize that that's pretty much all social media is. It's just people going along with trends and stuff like that. And I think you have to go through that period of uh, that little growth period, I guess. And some people find it earlier and some people find it later. But I really think that's important to to go through that and, and notice what's going on. And then if you've, I mean, there's tons of people out there that they just love shooting cars and stuff like that. And that's perfectly fine, but I'm not one of those people anymore. And I know there's probably a lot of people that follow me because I shoot cars and I make cars look cool or whatever, but uh, I'm to the point now where I just don't really care. And um, I think the quicker people realize that and just start shooting 100% what they want and not worrying about what other people say is gonna be the most important thing.
0: Yeah, I just think the more that you you hone in on what you find interesting, people will find you because there are gonna be more people that find the same thing interesting and they're gonna love the way that you interpret it. It just might take longer for you to find that group as opposed to the one that you see daily on the explore page or whatever on Instagram. With with that sort of said, this you know, one thing I didn't know about until I started doing um interviews more and more with people that sort of are part of the film community is just the um the sort of separate uh cliches that film photography seems to have compared to digital photography and i just wonder kind of what you thought of what i'm kind of referring to now as nostalgia porn mm-hmm. um which seems to be like an american midwest thing where you shoot medium format and you photograph a lot of old derelict buildings or sort of uh, mid-century cars as you've already mentioned cars um do you, th- mm-hmm. do you feel like that's potentially damaging in a sense because it's making it's taking photography and documenting a time that's already gone and maybe films not being used to document the time that we're in now as much
1: i've thought thought about that a lot because um i was listening to kyle mcdougall's podcast and he mentioned that he's like if you look back at old work like um just people back in the 50s and 60s that took photos it's like they were taking pictures of the time and it's like, when you look at their work now, it's everything that was modern back then. And it's like, if you work, look at people's work now, it's everything that was old, but modern back then is what they're taking photos of. Right. And I think that just that just goes along with when you're first starting out, it's like you get on an Instagram or you get on online and see these film communities and everyone's taking photos of this. So you're just like, well, I guess that's like what I need to do. And that's not a bad thing because you're gonna be out. You're gonna be taking photos and practicing and getting better. But there does need to come a point and and maybe you take photos of that and maybe you love it, and maybe you continue to do it. But if you're like kidding yourself and just taking photos of that because it's popular, that's where it probably becomes a problem. And if if some people like that and continue to do it, more power to them like, When I started to do it, it's like I saw that little trend and it definitely made me better as a photographer because I was going out and taking photos of cars and stuff and it made me better in the long run. And it also made me realize that I didn't want to continue to do that. So I don't think it's necessarily a a terrible thing, but it is a bad thing if you just keep continuing to do it just because um, other people are doing it and you're looking for uh, that positive feedback.
0: A few years back, I actually got a pretty um, unusual, I would say unsolicited critique of my work, which I'm not usually a particularly big fan of. But basically what was said to me was that my portfolio was being constantly refined and I was taking out old images. And what that meant was that there was no signs of improvement within my work because I wasn't leaving in work that was older and perhaps not as good. That must mean (laughs) that the work that I was doing that doesn't look like I'm improving. It looks like whatever you see in my portfolio is the standard that I'm at now. And that's where I've always been. And I, I always found that to be a really bizarre critique to say that I should be showing that I used to be bad or something, or at least I used to be worse at something. Right. In terms of your portfolio, do you feel like it needs to show improvement or do you feel like the most important thing is that you kind of, you cut the apron strings with your older images that might be sentimental, but they might not be as good and you just cast them away?
1: See, like I, I definitely do that same thing. Like I go through my feed and if like when I, when someone goes to my page, I want them to see like, they're going to see good images and they're going to see like not so good images. But if I go back and I see something that I look at now and I'm like, well, that's a terrible photo. Like why did like, of course I'm going to delete that. And I don't think it, it makes you a bad person for doing that. And it doesn't take away everything that you are as a photographer. And I, I feel like I have something to fall back on because I have old YouTube videos where you can go, and I, I wanted to keep those on because um, I think it it's more of a learning tool for people so they can go back and see and actually learn as they go. But I feel like Instagram and stuff like that is more of, of a portfolio piece. And I look at Instagram as like just your website and a place to showcase your work. It's not a place to showcase what you learned. And I think that's a great place for community and learning, but I don't think it's a learning tool per se. Whereas YouTube and stuff like that, it's like you can go back and and 10 months ago was my first YouTube video and it's just terrible. Like, (laughs) I don't know how to talk to a camera. I don't know how to take good photos. Uh, The audio is terrible. Like everything about it is bad. But I think for someone that's starting off and going to my channel, they can go back and look at that. and and see for themselves like, okay, he used to be terrible. I'm terrible right now. So maybe I can be at least a little bit better in the, 10 months from now, just like I'm a little bit better 10 r- months from now.
0: I mean, in a general sense, what do you think of the state of, of photography on YouTube at the moment? Because we certainly have gone through a bit of, I don't know what the, the kind of funny way of putting it, but we've certainly gone through this stage of a lot of people doing what are pseudo reviews of gear As a way of just putting content out that they can have an affiliate link in their bio and they can make some money from it there's been a lot of people that have made videos that you know they don't seem to have any substance they just seem to need to get past the monetization line there's people one of the things that always rings alarm bells to me and, and i might be completely wrong on this but is when someone says like they have a video out every monday for example, mm-hmm. that just it that worries me because that then sounds like it's a video for video sake as opposed to having something to say. Um, do you think right. YouTube at the moment is is like overall positive or negative for photography?
1: I think from what I've seen, I think it's getting a lot better because people are recognizing those trends and um, they're actively trying to fix that. Like for, from when I first got on YouTube and into now. And I don't know if it's because I'm following more people that um, I connect with or if I just follow like better uh, YouTube photographers in general. But I definitely see a nice uh, positive trend and more people making meaningful content and not only just walking around taking photos or doing like a, a camera review or anything like that. And I think camera reviews and stuff like that are perfectly fine as long as you don't waste anyone's time and you give them uh, prevalent information and information that they can use. and that's the thing like that's the thing I hate the most about digital and that this kind of goes back to weddings too is like whenever I do a wedding or anything like that, literally all people want to talk about is gear or they just want to talk about. Uh, how much they charge and stuff like that or how much money they make. And I I feel like that's kind of the same in the YouTube world with when I, because I've been looking at upgrading my uh, Sony AS7II to the AS7III. And of course, I go to YouTube and try to find some opinions on it. And there's probably like one good video that gives me really good information that tells me exactly what I need to know. And then there's another guy who's talking about uh, here's the link in my description. I get a little yeah. commission from it, blah, 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 blah. And they're busting out like four videos a week. And they're each video is about one specific feature with the camera. I'm like, just give me one video, tell me everything I need to know, and then just move on. And that's how I'm trying to be with my channel. Like I don't want to waste anyone's time. I don't want seven-minute intros at the beginning talking about <laughs> how the weather... <laughs> How the weather was the day of my shoot and stuff like that. So I just want to get into it, let people know what they want to know, and then show them some good pictures, put some good music to it, and go from there.
0: (laughs) It's funny because there's a a non photography channel that I follow on YouTube, which is Your Movie Sucks, and he puts out like his favorite films of 2012, 2011, whatever, and um, he will always say that he won't release that at the end of that year. He'll release it. Years later, once he's had the opportunity to actually watch all of the films that he thinks could make the list. So it might be like 2013 by the time he's releasing his (laughs) 2010 list. Because what's the point of releasing a 10 best films of the year list in November when there's still time for films to come out and you haven't seen stuff. And I think that's what a lot of, a lot of photography gear reviews seem to be like is, you know, I literally got this camera. There was actually, I don't want to say who it was, but there was a guy who I, I'd I'd sort of loosely followed for a while because I had an interest in, um, switching to a different camera system and he shot that system. Mm -hmm. And there was a point where he got a camera in to review And he made five videos, I think in six days. And the first video was like 10 minutes long and it was talking about what it looked like and how it came in the box. And then the next video was talking about um, what he plans on doing with it. And then the next video was showing some like 120 frame per second bullshit, him walking around, like flicking his hair so that he looks all cool and, and has, has the, uh, has the music that makes kids want to click the links in the description. And then the next, video, you know, it just, it got to a point where it was almost parody. He was almost like mocking himself with how much he was putting out just to try and make money out of reviewing a camera. In terms of yourself, do you, do, you know, with your YouTube channel, do you want to be seen at some point, at least, as an authority on photography through YouTube?
1: I don't think I want to be seen as an authority on photography. I just want to be an authority on telling true stories, I guess, like I just want people to come to my channel to be inspired, to be informed and just to see good photography and good videos. I don't want to be seen like as anyone who's um, an authoritative figure on the state of the photography world. Um, I just want because. I mean, that's how I learned photography. I learned from YouTube and watching hundreds of videos on film developing and Matt Day videos and Willem Verbeek videos. So I know what it's like to just be getting into that and watching YouTube. And if I can be an authoritative figure on learning film instead of being an authoritative figure on the state of photography in general, I think that would just be a better overall case for me. Right. I'm not one to be super, like, uh, I'm just a really laid back guy. So it's like, if you have a question, like message me, if you have a, a, a concern about anything, just comment. And it's like, we'll talk it out. Like, I, I can't stand when people post videos and people are leaving comments and they don't reply for days on end or never reply at all. And I get, I get the idea that you get to a certain point where you can't reply and comment to everyone, but I've seen this on smaller channels and medium sized channels where people have like 50 comments and you're not replying to anyone. It's like they're there to watch your video and they're there to support you. And you need to respect that and you need to reply to them. And it's just the, it's just the human thing to do. And it's just the nice thing to do is just reply to people that support you and watch your videos.
0: So I generally generally try and end these with as broad a question as possible and it'll either lead to like a two word answer or a, 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 an introspective answer where you have a complete breakdown. <laughs> Hopefully neither, but we'll see what we can do. One thing that I find fascinating with people, and it, it's such a broad question, I don't think people quite often think particularly deeply about stuff. And it sounds like you, you're more of a deep thinker. So I, I feel like I can throw this one at you. But what is it that compels you to keep shooting? Because it's not just about the gear for you. It's not just about, you know, the planning or the, the likes or anything like that. What is it that makes you want to keep going out and taking pictures?
1: Well, right now I would say it's because I just want to, because when I, when I do those analog artisans episodes, like I get so much out of those and, um, specifically with not being able to get out as much the past four or five months, it's just nice to meet up with people specifically people that are passionate about a certain thing and it's like i just want if if i can meet up with someone and talk to them about something that they're passionate about and something that drives them in their life and if i can capture that for other people to be inspired by and if i can photograph them and give them something um as they're giving something to me like that's that's the best thing that that i can think of that compels me to go out and shoot and even if it's going out and shooting just anything like on the street or anything like that that's going to be more for like the business side of things where because it's like I do look at this photography as a potential business endeavor as well and I'm not saying that it's the most important thing but it's definitely in the back of my mind and I don't want to just be doing this for the heck of it and in the sense that I want to people to be inspired and informed by what I do, it'd be nice if I can make some money too as well. And I don't think that's a bad thing to say at all. A lot of people might be afraid to say that, but it's like, I'm spending a lot of money on processing this and, uh, developing film and buying film, So it's definitely not a cheap endeavor. And if I can make some money, like, even if it's two bucks on a YouTube video, that's perfectly fine with me that will buy a third of a roll of film for me. But, Definitely what compels me right now is just telling people's stories and trying to capture them as authentically as possible and just to share that with the world.
0: There you go. It wasn't a two-word answer and you didn't have a breakdown. That worked perfectly.
1: (laughs) No, I've been been having a breakdown for a while.
0: Um, yeah, I think I, I think you and about two thirds of the world there. The most important thing with the podcast, the, the whole reason that I started it, the whole reason that it's still going, is that I just want to make more people aware of work that I find inspiring. So now's the point where we need to start directing people towards where they can find your work. So your YouTube channel, your Instagram, everywhere that you want people to go to see what you do.
1: Uh, it's just Brian Burks, B-R-Y-A-N-B-I-R-K-S. Um, B R Y A N B I R K S. I try to make it simple. Um, YouTube, if you want to be informed and uh, just see some good videos and uh, just to see some passionate people. And Instagram is more just like a community for me. And if you anyone ever has a question about anything, just don't be afraid to reach out because I know how it is when you're first learning. And I remember reaching out to people that I uh, was inspired by and not getting a reply. So if you're inspired by someone or if you're inspired by me, just reach out and Don't be afraid to message me.
0: Perfect way to end it. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this.
1: No problem.